Hello. Welcome to episode 10 of the Reconnect podcast. Today, in honor of it being episode 10, we are talking about 10 reasons why Reconnect is important. <coughs> so in order to talk about the reasons why it is necessary, needed, and important, we need to identify the problem that Reconnect is directly addressing. So the, the problem that is being directly addressed among many, but this is the main kind of thing that Reconnect is actively working towards, is phones are stopping us from organically connecting face-to-face -face with other humans around us. And even when we do try, we have one foot out the door the whole time because we have our phones pulling us out of the moment. So this has caused an, an epidemic of social anxiety, depression, feelings of isolation, and a lack of conversational ability in our generation that only worsens as generations get younger. So not only are we denied the connection that makes us feel good, which is constant, you know, full attention, you know, in person, being connected, actually, not only are we being denied that, but we are among the first generations to experience the atrophy of s conversational skills and connection skills necessary to create that connection in the first place. So we are facing a huge problem with that. So we're feeling the effects of it, but also we are starting to forget how to even create that on our own. It's be due to social media and smartphones. So <coughs> right now, social media is causing us to feel extremely disconnected from kind of everything. We want to show people that these apps aren't as essential as we might feel they are or they might make us like, you know, make us want to see that they are, but they actually just use flimsy tools of FOMO, addiction, to keep us coming back. So, but that doesn't matter because we have the power of choice at the end of the day. I've met plenty of people who have heard me talk about Reconnect, and they've told me that as soon as they were introduced to Reconnect, they w became immediately more aware and chose to be off of their phone more, way more times than they did when they weren't. So ultimately, even though they do use these tools of addiction and, you know, fear of missing out, so like if you delete it, you're like, but everyone's doing all this stuff on there. Like even though those exist, like we still, choice is more powerful than that. And we, we don't really actually need them. And... Reconnect is important to like spread that awareness that we don't. So, but the the another reason that goes kind of hand in hand with that why reconnect is important is because the only way to actually sustainably make a difference in that way is to do it as a collective. So, for example, if I and I experienced this, if I were to delete all social media and get rid of my smartphone, all that I would be doing is like getting rid of my 
one lifeline to any kind of connection, whether it's, you know, true connection, what I would consider true connection, or or it's just the connection that we are presented with in our environment, which is like, you know, social media. That's all I'd be doing. And then I would be feeling FOMO, feeling isolated. I'd be feeling anxiety because I'm not on it and I'm so dependent on my phone. I and um so the only way to do it is as a collective. So now when you delete social media or you decide to not go on social media as much, now with Reconnect, you have a community that can do that with you. Or at least you'll have one place where you know that you can go and be off your phone and you can actually feel connection. Because, you know, that actually allows you to, instead of just feeling the FOMO of deleting social media, you get to replace that you know, lack of, you know, you have fear of missing out what's going on on Instagram, but you know you have something in real life that you couldn't get on Instagram that you're not missing out on, even if you do delete it. So you, you're able to, like, <coughs> replace one lifeline, which is your phone, to connection, which is how most of us get our connection now, which is through our phone. You're able to, instead of just cutting off your one lifeline to connection, you're able to, you know, like choose the one you, you have another connection lifeline which is which can be reconnect which is in-person connection and you can replace that rather than just eliminating your one you know because that's not sustainable really so yeah another thing that i just think is like like one day you know like an example for that is like so yeah, if I del if if one student at Rollins decides to delete social media, like I said, all it's going to do is that one lifeline is going to go away. But imagine an entire grade at Rollins, an entire freshman class decided to delete social media from their phones. Then everything would become interconnected through this lifeline, which would be more in-person, conversation-based rather than Everyone, because everyone presently is going through this lifeline, which is one that comes with anxiety, depression, addiction, FOMO, all these bad feelings. But if an entire grade decided to collectively change to this lifeline of connection, then. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, I'm a bit sick today. But if an entire generation decided to switch to this mode of connection, you would actually. <coughs> you'd actually have somewhere to be. You would actually be able to have conversations with people around you because everyone's not constantly on their phone. So, yeah. Um, reconnect is important because it allows those people who do want to be off their phone to do it and they have people to do it with. So there's plenty of people out there that are like me who are like, I don't love being on my phone all the time and I would love to spend some time with my phone, but there's not really a lot of things in place to be able to do that with other people and doing things with other people is like makes everything better. And it's, it goes into the third reason, which is why reconnect is important, which is the social aspect because getting off your phone or deleting social media or choosing to put down your phone for an hour, like, that's great. Good for you. And maybe you, you know, 
put your phone down and go for a walk for an hour. But you're still missing out on sharing that connection with others. You're just kind of, you're still, you know, you're connecting with yourself, which is really important, but you're still isolated. You are now, you know, off your phone, but you're replacing your phone with isolation, kind of. And with Reconnect, it allows you to put down your phone and be with people off of your phone, connecting and hanging out. Because right now, if I try to ask someone around me to put their phone down, I look like a, like you know I look like a jerk, like I look like I'm attacking them or I'm shaming them or I'm asking them to do something, which is it's the, all this emotion. It's it's taboo to ask someone to put down their phone. Hey, can you put down your phone? Because it's like there's all this shame and charge and you know you're bad or if you're on your phone thing, and just a little sidebar on that. If you've seen The Social Dilemma, you know what I'm talking about. But behind all of our phones is a er, – behind all social media, there is a supercomputer. It's a supercomputer AI, kind of like chat GPT. But instead of it being designed as an AI to answer any question, it is designed to capture a human's attention as l- much as possible, as effectively as possible, as quickly as possible, for as long as possible – without them knowing, without them noticing. That is what social media is. It is a giant AI that has gotten out of control, that is really good, and it gets better and better as the more you use it. It is designed to get you to go on your phone and go on that social media account. It's literally a giant supercomputer going up against your primal brain. And so one of th- this vicious cycle is created, which is where we lose to a supercomputer. We get distracted. We give our time to it. We all do it. We all go on Instagram for one thing, and then we end up sending, spending 30 minutes of our day on Instagram scrolling on a bunch of pointless BS we didn't even care about. That happens to all of us. Or we go to post a TikTok, and then we end up on TikTok for two hours. Go to you know watch one YouTube video, and then you end up on it, – it, it's all happening. That is you losing to the AI. <coughs> or another example of losing to the AI is you get a notification oh, so-and-so posted, or oh, blah, 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 liked your post. You end up on Instagram, you get caught in a scrolling hole. That is all AI that is designed to do that, to get you on their app. Because the more you're on their app, the more money they make. So there's this vicious cycle of we lose to a supercomputer, we get distracted. Second part of the cycle, we lose our time. And our, like, who, who wants to say that they are glad they spent more time on their phone than hanging out with their friends. Like, if you're on your deathbed, are you really going to be like, I'm really glad I spent more time on my phone than with my friends? Like, nah. Like, no one wants to lose their time in that way. So we lose to an AI. We lose our time as a result of it. And then the third section is we then shame the user. So it's the user's fault. Oh, look at you. You're on your phone. You can't get off your phone. What's wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, nah, it's not their fault. It's... The fact that any of us have a phone, like if it's in your pocket, it's going to get you on the app. It's literally, it's crazy. It happens to all of us. If you have it on your phone and then it's so addictive and it's designed to addict us that even if you delete the app, we'll just re-download the app and use it because we're addicted to it. It's like super vicious. And so the fact that we are now piling on this extra layer that contributes to the cycle, which is like, oh, it's your fault. Why can't you get off your phone? Like- when I got a flip phone, because I realized this exact thing, which is like, 
damn, like, because I tried, I tried deleting the apps when I first started feeling all these things. I tried to keep my smartphone, delete the apps, charge my phone outside of my room at night, you know, all that stuff. And I realized that I would just re-download the apps and I would just end up bringing my phone into my room every night. And I was just like, I can't resist this if I still have it. I just, it's impossible. And it was, it was adding extra stress to be trying to like resist it while I have it. It was like, I was giving so much brain power to try to not use it when, even when I was succeeding at not using it, you know? So I decided the only way to do it was to just get rid of my phone altogether, which I did. And I got a flip phone in high school when I was like 16 junior or sophomore year. And one of the things someone said to me was like, what, you couldn't get off your phone? And I was just like, I mean, bruh, you know, it's just like, I went through this whole journey for it, but that is the initial response is like, we shame the user. So, like her being like what you just couldn't get off your phone is like an an example of like <coughs> you know the awareness of this AI and this persuasive technology and these addictive traits and all this stuff the awareness of that is is lower than like you know the awareness of how much it hurts when someone's on their phone around us so we shame the user for being on their phone and like we blame them basically instead of blaming the actual problem, which is the phone. And of course the companies don't want you to know any of that. Cause then they like it's the whole idea is that it's persuasive technology. It goes under the radar. It, it, it does all this without you knowing. Cause then if you, if you knew, then you'd be able to stop it. So number four, reason number four is to rebuild our social stamina. So right now, Hanging out with a bunch of people you don't know for hours sound with no phone sounds terrifying to some people. And sometimes it is scary. It literally is terrifying. And it's because we're not that comfortable socializing right now. We are so used to being able to, you know, Snapchat and like, you know, form the perfect response and we don't have to think on our feet and we don't have to face the, the other person right in front of us if we mess up our words or if we say something that sounds stupid or if we make a joke that doesn't make someone laugh or if there's an awkward silence. We don't have to actually face the awkwardness of that, and that's pretty fucking relaxing. It's like a warm, snuggly little spot for us to be all cozy in. But really, what's happening is instead of going out and socializing, we're reclusing, you know, and there's a trade-off there. So yeah, it might be a little less scary, but now we're we're also no longer reaping the rewards of socializing. So like we don't have we are like I said at the beginning, the problem, we are of a generation where our social skills have become begun to atrophy due to our social media use. So and it's very clear that social media is not a great replacement for socializing. We we have an epidemic of anxiety, depression, and feelings of isolation, loneliness. And so, l like, we have to rebuild that social stamina to not look at the, oh, I'm going to go have to hang out with people that I don't know very well for an hour. We, I can't do that. You know, we have to start to rebuild it. That, that's not scary, and it doesn't have to be scary. You know, awkward silences aren't actually even that common. Like, 
you know, if you just go and you can be loose in a social situation, it can be like the most fun thing in the world, you know, but we have this epidemic of social anxiety due to social media. And it's, if we don't start to rebuild that, you know, it, it's a, it's, it's only going to perpetuate the cycle. So number five is to rebuild our comfort with the unknown. So social media and smartphones create a false sense of security from the unknown. But because we don't have to spend so much time in the unknown. So I'll explain that. So the unknown is a constant in human existence. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's the that's the fact. We all we have, all we experience is the present moment. We don't experience the past. We don't experience the future. We don't know what's going to happen. And so the un- but that's terrifying to us as humans because we literally our job and the the way that you know we have either, you know, the way that humans are different is we can try to almost like discern the future, predict the future in our own way, you know? And so we're f- almost like fighting with the unknown. We're wrestling with it. But everyone, but w- also it's a constant in our life. Same with change. Like we fight change, but change is necessary and it's a constant. So it's kind of the same thing. So the unknown is just a part of our life and it can be very scary sometimes, you know, like going off to college. Like that's really good for someone, you know, maybe going to a new town trying to make new friends, but you know, everyone knows like that's gone to new college for the freshman year. Like sometimes it sucks and sometimes it's hard and it, the change is hard. The unknown is scary, but it's necessary to come around. And after that freshman year, maybe you did meet some new friends and sophomore year comes around you have a great group of friends, you know? So it's like, that is important to be, you know, around and be comfortable with because Right now, we are able to have this false sense of security from the unknown. And so, f- so for example, we meet someone. Let's, let's pretend it's the 1950s. You walk on the street and you meet someone. You might not know who that person is. You have no idea. And maybe you, get, you decide to like go meet them or go on a date or something. I mean, that, that's probably dangerous. But like... You know, maybe you do. You meet someone in the grocery store, you go on a date with them. There's uncertainty there. Like, you don't know who this person is. You have to go hang out with them to figure out what they're like and what they're about. So, and that's why someone will go to a public setting, go out to go grab a burger or something, like, you know. And now you can meet someone, and then you get their Instagram, and then you can look at their Instagram and then you're like, oh, well, I, I already know. I already know that they're going to be this way. So I can either choose to go out with them or I can choose not to or whatever. So it's this like false sense of, of certainty that we know who this person is now. But that's not real or true at all. It's this false, not real thing that like soothes this part of us that is like, okay, well, now I know. You know, because humans want to know. We want to know the answer. That's why we're all like, why the, why the hell are we here because that's an unanswerable question. You know, all we can do is like science, figure out how everything works, what's going on here, what is the universe, you know? All we can do is just ask questions and try to explore the unknown. So, now we can be like sheltered from it basically. And like, you know, but it's not real. 
it's it's just not. We, you can't tell who someone is off of looking at seven posts of their Instagram. Even if you stalk their entire Instagram, you cannot know what that person is like, what their values are, their philosophy on life. You cannot know. You absolutely cannot. So it's important to be comfortable with the unknown because like, well, it goes into a lot of other of my list. So I'll just go back. To, I'll, I'll just finish the list. But to finish out this point, going to a reconnect event is filled with unknowns, right? You're like, well, I saw these flyers around campus, you know, I know you're not supposed to bring your phone, but I don't necessarily know why. I have no idea who's going to be there. I, maybe you have a friend, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what it's going to be all about. I don't know what we're going to do really. Like I kind of saw the flyer. I don't really know. There's all that uncertainty there. There's there's fear. There's unknown. And there's probably some social anxiety. Like I'm not going to know these people. And it, it forces you, coming to a Reconnect event forces you to overcome that anxiety and that fear of the unknown. And then you show up. You decide to, it's terrifying. And you show up. And you're like, what happens? It's you realize it's all okay, and that the anxiety wasn't real, or that the, you know, fake certainty wasn't real, or whatever your assumption was. Because look, in even in that exchange, it's like you can go look at a reconnect flyer, and you can make an assumption and be like, oh, well, that's what that's about, but you can't really because there's no there's no Instagram that portrays what we do. You know, you can't go and be like, oh, well, this is them. And you can't make a generalization. You have to go to see what it's about. And you have to talk to someone. You have to – it creates this, like, barrier of where you have to overcome your fears that social media has created in us in order to attend an event. So the sixth reason is to replant the savanna. Sixth reason reconnect is important. So the savanna is a core – bit of language in the reconnect movement and it is an analogy that my mom and I kind of helped procure but my mom really brought it to me she's the queen of analogies she explained it like this so imagine there's a savanna and there's a herd of antelope roaming and grazing the grass of the savanna going out and as they roam the savanna they contribute to their own ecosystem. Now, imagine someone introduced feed bins. So the antelope would no longer have to roam or graze the savanna in order to get what they're really after in that entire process, which is food. So the antelope would just stay near the bins. And the, over time, the ecosystem of the savanna would just become a wasteland. It become unrecognizable because the, the it's you need people you needed to roam, and so that is kind of what's happened with the social ecosystem. And so I refer to what we live in now as the wasteland, and I see reconnect as replanting the savanna, which is the savanna was what things were like in the '80s when kids were going to the arcade after school. Everyone was talking. There was no barriers of disconnection. And everybody was forced to go out and roam. They had to. So we need to relearn 
conversations and talking for no specific reason or just hanging out. We need to relearn. We need to become comfortable with conversations again. We, we need to start practice being bored, being alone with our thoughts and not occupying every second with stimulation. We need to relearn how to socialize without social media being a part of every step. <coughs> water so like for example before people would you know meet up and say hey what's up i'll meet you this place or you page someone and you talk to them on a phone but now every single step of connection is mediated by social media so you have all this time to develop anxiety about whatever you're going to do, whoever you're going to hang out with, who are you going to hang out with, who are you going to go on the date with. Oh, they're this, they're that, they're doing this, they're that. I've already texted them. They talk like this, blah, blah, blah. But none of it's f real. So we are now I dictating our entire social, all of our social decisions based on something that is fake. <coughs> So, in order to replant the savanna, we need to create an environment. Oh my gosh, I'm so stuffed. <laughs> so, to replant the savanna and why the reconnect is important to do this, it is important to create an environment where it's possible to be off your phone and and have places to hang out and people to hang out with that is aligned with a phone-free lifestyle or a phone-free space. That's what Reconnect is, and that's one of the things that Reconnect offers, and that is a very important part of replanting the Savannah. So reason number seven, to allow our brains to relax and detox from constant unhealthy levels of stimulation. So, you know, we all experience this. We normally put ourselves through highly stimulating activities constantly, every day, constantly. We're, we, and some people more than others, but we all do it. I do it. I'm on YouTube throughout the day. I am, you know, whatever it is. I just pick up my phone to get a stimulation because my body is so used to it. I just pick up my phone for stimulation. So being having a phone, being around your phone, just we're constantly stimulated. So this causes anxiety, dissatisfaction, and it makes living life connected to the present moment, which means actually sitting and just being and looking and thinking. It makes life connected to the present moment bland. And it makes it really hard to choose that blandness over the cake you know, filled with chocolate filling and ice cream that is our phone and dopamine and stimulation, it makes it really hard to choose the like Triscuit with salt over that. So it's almost impossible, you know? So, <coughs> but when we don't receive the constant stimulation, like, you know, we try to choose the Triscuit, we become, we become dependent on our phones when we don't have the stimulation, you know? Like we all have to have it because we're so used to it. We're literally, we become chemically dependent on it. So, <coughs> being off of our phones while hanging, this is reason number eight, 
being off our phones while hanging out allows us to actually stay connected with the people that we're with in person. So, you know, <coughs> people have argued in the past when I've talked about reconnect that, well, people still go out. It's not like everybody's inside on their phone. People still hang out. People still talk. And it's like, yeah, we do. But when we have our phones, we only stay connected with the people we're with for like two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes at a time. Because the thing is, you can just <coughs> dip out to your phone. It's like if you were hanging out with people, and then <coughs> every five minutes you just got up. Well, everybody is talking. You just got up, walked out of the room for like, who knows, maybe it's two minutes, maybe it's three minutes. But you just got out, left the room, stood outside for a little bit. Everybody's in there, you know. <coughs> and then you come back in three minutes later, and you're like, well, going in, you're like, Okay, what are we talking about again? Okay, what are we, what's going on? You're, you're like completely, you know, disconnecting from the energy of the room, the energy of the people you're, you're with. <coughs> so that is what's happening when we go on our phones when we're with people. And everybody has their phones and everybody's constantly on their phones. And so we, we are not really connecting when we're with people and all of us collectively are leaving every five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, everybody. It, 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 it takes away the collective connection. So when you don't have the opportunity to leave for your phone, you can actually stay purely connected to the people you're with for hours. So now imagine instead of like leaving every five minutes, you know, walking outside, you're just in the room with everybody. And then now it's been three hours and you've only been in that room with those people. It's like by the time you leave that, you've built a connection that is like so much deeper and so much stronger than it was when you were leaving every five minutes. So number nine. Number nine is perspective on what people are actually like. <coughs> so this is something that we kind of, I feel like we all feel on a regular basis, which is, we have now been able to create preconceived notions about other people that we don't even know on a crazy level. So we create these social requirements on how you're allowed to be and how you're not allowed to be, what you can, what you can't say, when in reality, no one's perfect and everyone is different. So I'm not saying that <coughs> you should go out and be racist. I'm saying that most people are not and don't have malintent, but a lot of people can be made into something that they're not based on a rushed conclusion because, because of the simple boxes that social media tries to put people in by using 30-second clips or looking at three posts on someone's Instagram feed. But everyone is unique and has their own unique story. So in reality, there are cool people everywhere. But if we dehumanize someone based on how they talk or even just what ideas they talk about, we're no longer aligning with the truth that is everyone is their own person and no one has the right to dehumanize them for being themselves. Even when it's told, even when we're told that's what's right in society or that's what's wrong in society or in your echo chamber, which we'll get into later. So, for example, instantly hating someone or writing someone off because they're wearing a make America great again hat. So like 
that that's the best example, you know, like there could be a cool person, but because of this polarizing environment we live in on social media and the pol- polarizing political environment that we live in that is I I think is I- almost entirely because of the internet and social media the polarizing political environment I mean because of that because we experience that every day in these echo chambers and all this stuff like we can make that person who's wearing that hat instantly just bad in our perspective but we n- we need to learn to have the perspective that that's a person and they believe what they believe and like you know like maybe like we can't write them off before we even meet them you know but the thing is and there's another part of the issue is that person that has the make america great again hack and look at someone with blue hair and make the same exact assumption you know or someone who is non-binary you know like because of that political polarization we just dehumanize each other before we even get a chance to just meet each other as people, you know? And it's really, really important that we're able to have that perspective on what people actually are, not the, you know, 30-second clips that we all watched that subcon- programmed our, subco- our subconscious mind to make, you know, people who explore their gender identity this person and people who wear Make America Great Again hats this person. And it's the thing is social media also promotes content that inspires hatred because hatred gets people to watch. Like if I hate someone, I'm going to watch them and I'm going to hate them. It's this weird thing. So what's the content that you see of people who are in Make America Great Again hats? It's some infuriating guy talking about some infuriating topic that is either unreasonable or extremist or who knows, whatever. And even that guy, you know, it's only a 30-second clip. It's not the whole dude. But either way, the the go- the the this is goes back to the AI. The AI doesn't know it doesn't know that this hateful content is is creating all this hate between two groups of people. All that AI knows is that when this type of video is made and this we show this type of video to this person with the, you know, so let's say on one side, let's say it's a person on the left or whatever. That like, all they know is that when they show someone that happens to be on the left, they don't even know. The AI doesn't know. It's just a, a, an account that has a certain interest. But when we show this person, this account, this video of this Make America Great Again hat wearer doing this infuriating thing, oh, they watch it every time. And they even go to the profile and watch it even more, you know? And then they share it to their other friend because they hate them. And it's like... How infer- how maddening is this, you know? So the AI is actually just <coughs> <coughs> doing what it's programmed to do, but what it's 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 having that effect. So it's like when people were it's like what people did with celebrities back in the day before social media and, and the internet. They don't feel like a person to us because we might only see them on a screen playing a character or on a screen at uh, at the Oscars or on a c- internet commercial or what, or on not not on internet on a on a company's commercial cereal box commercial whatever so that allowed people to dehumanize them and say nasty things about a celebrity that they probably would never say to a friend or to someone's face you know but now everyone 
everyone sees everyone. Sorry. But now everyone we see is a person on a screen playing a character. So because we all create who we wish we were, who we want people to think we are, who we want people to see on social media, we can't honestly portray ourselves. We're constantly making a character. Social media is just the wrong mode of communication to be ourselves. It forces us to not be. So the only way to really see someone is to meet them. But we're not meeting most people. We're meeting their character on a screen. So it allows us to dehumanize them. It allows us to make these assumptions. It allows us to not connect with them. And it allows us to hate them. Number 10. Reconnect is important because we as a society desperately, desperately need to relearn how to have conversations about controversial topics. Right now, American democracy and society as a whole is facing a massive threat because conversations can now be conducted over the internet. That leads to people being able to choose at the click of a button anyone that they talk to, creating echo chambers. And these echo chambers then create good and bad guys. The good guys are in here with me and the bad guys are out there. People are so coddled and used to never being challenged on a concept that the second someone expresses even just a different view than ours, we, we can just get angry and distance ourselves and go back to a warm and cozy echo chamber. We, we can basically just distance ourselves from them and then just leave instead of like, I meet someone, I have a great connection with them, and then I find out that they have this belief or whatever. Then, you know, it's just different. So this is causing us to dehumanize good people all around us because of our ever-changing and unique beliefs. It's just a reality of humans. We all have different beliefs. And it also stifles growth because it becomes two sides just yelling at each other and telling them that they're wrong rather than us talking about the underlying problems between us. And yes, that's always been a problem because, you know, I feel it too. When I meet someone that has an alternate view of me on a political issue, it is. It's emotional. I can get emotional. It's, But it's, it's our re- responsibility as humans to, and as members of society and a culture, to take that emotion that we're feeling and, you know, not let it impact the productiveness of an argument. And yes, you're going to meet infuriating people that are just going to stick to their one view and then you don't have that conversation. But it's really important to be able to have those conversations with members of our community, members of our, even our college, our, you know, our, and in total, our state and in grand scheme, our nation and as, a, as the world, you know. And right now that is really, it's an epidemic of, of just hatred and, and no conversations. So right now we're craving authenticity. We are, I bet you, like even though this is not what's happening, I bet you a lot of people listening right now feel the same way about the way that political ideas are discussed and the way that we dehumanize each other. And we see it. We see that it's not good for us. We see that it's really important to have these conscious, aware conversations with those that we might have different viewpoints on because if you can let go of that hatred and that ego and that attachment to your beliefs and separate it and allow you and another human next to you to 
can both be good people and then put your ideas out in front of each other and then talk about your ideas rather than identifying so heavily with your ideas that now it's you and it's you arguing with another person. We are friends. All we're, we are in a country that is like we're not in a third world country that is being invaded by Russia or facing starvation. Like we are blessed to be where we are. The, our fellow human is our friend more times than it's not. And so it's really important for us to be able to utilize that blessing that we live every day and be able to experience heightened communication and, you know, not just make everyone our enemy. So if you haven't watched The Social Dilemma, if you haven't watched The Social Dilemma, watch it. It's on Netflix. It'll help you follow along with a lot of the things I talk about on this podcast. Um, I mean, those are my 10 reasons why reconnect is really important right now. W well, there's more, I think, but <coughs> those are the 10 ones that I put out that I thought were some of the key core ones. So thank you for listening. And yeah, I'll see you next week.